Tonight here at Ground Zero Ministries, we're going to be talking about grace. Last week, if you had the pleasure to be here, we were talking about forgiveness and everyone's favorite topic. But I find it it's interesting that last week we're talking about forgiveness and then this week we're talking about being forgiven. And a lot of times it's the other way around. But I believe that there's such a hardness in our hearts that we carry such bitterness, we carry such resentment. And a lot of times it, it affects us more than we realize. That we claim to be Christians and we claim that we know Jesus and we claim that we have a relationship with Him. And yet, a lot of times we don't even really understand grace. You know, as we, we grow and we want to follow Jesus, you know, isn't it that we follow his directions? We want to get to know him more, but yet we don't want to do what he asks us to do. You know, and <clears throat> through the years, you know, as I've been working in and out of the recovery community and growing as a, a Christian, as a man of God, you know, I <clears throat> rest on a lot of the stuff that I, I learned in AA because there's such profound principles, you know, that you live by when you're trying to overcome some sort of addiction. You know, and we all believe in God, but yet, what is it that we really believe about Him? You know, that I find it it's difficult to find Christians that really follow His teachings. You know, in the church even, we find a lot of people that are believers, or I believe, I believe in God, you know. But yet, when it comes down to biblical truth, you know, there's very few people that read their Bibles. You know, and if we're not reading our Bibles, we don't really know God. And that's a hard thing to say, but it's really the truth. You know, in American Christianity, we... We have a lot of people that attend church. We do not have a lot of people following Jesus. We do not have a lot of people that are reading their word on a consistent level. Well, I, I have a devotion and I, you know, I read the Psalms every now and again. You know, and it's like I hear all these excuses when it comes down to reading. You know, but how do you develop a relationship with Jesus apart from his word? You know, I have met some really spiritually weird Christians as I've been walking with Jesus. You know, and it's, you know, they base everything on their feelings and, the, you know, getting high in the Holy Ghost and getting drunk in the Spirit and, you know, they're all over the place. And yet they're not accomplishing anything because really they're not following Jesus. They're just running around trying to have an experience with God. You know, and as I've dealt with it, even in my own home and had to remove someone once upon a time, you know, I realized that the devil wants to confuse us. You know, and I don't like to give credit to him. I don't like to pay much attention to him at all. But I believe that we have far more people being led by their emotions than truly being led by God. And how do we know his ways? How do we become more like him if we're not in his word? You know, how do we model God's grace when we don't even know how to receive it ourselves? 
you know, and Second <clears throat> Corinthians twelve nine and ten says, "My grace is enough for you, for when you are weak, my power is made perfect in you, so that I am very happy to brag about my weakness, and Christ's power can live in me." For the very reason that I am happy when I have weakness, insults, hard times, suffering, and all kinds of trouble for Christ, because I am weak, and then I am truly strong. I see more people take these stances and are proud Christians and argue with people than truly try to love on people and, and, and truly try to build relationships with them. You know, and it's difficult when we we don't understand God's grace. And how do we give that away to someone else when you know someone might be a sinner, someone might believe something different than what we believe? You know, Christ's grace came to each and every one of us as a free gift. You know, and yet we take pride in it. You know, and it's important for us to realize that. None of us have bragging rights in the sense that we can boast in nothing that we have done. It's all God's grace and what He has done that even, you know, brings us here tonight. You know, and this gift that's been given to us, you know, and it can't be bought. And many, you know, Christians, you know, they, they try to do works or they try to give money and then therefore they're you know, they're okay, I'm a good person, you know, I've done this or I've done that. But His grace is so freely given to us, you know, that we have nothing to boast in. Romans 3.24 is that all need to be made right with God's or by His grace, which is a free gift. They need to be made free from sin through Jesus Christ. You know, see... I believe that we want to be free of sin unless it's still pleasurable and then we make a lot of excuses why we still hang on to it. But the only way that we can have freedom in in multiple areas in Christ is if we truly die to ourselves and follow Him and His example and what He would want for us to do. You know, in 1 Peter 1.13 it says, Prepare your minds for service and have self-control. All your hopes should be for the gift of grace that is yours when Jesus Christ is shown to you. You know, that we we struggle. I watch many struggle, and I struggle. You know, I, I don't try to stand up here and, and make it sound like I have it all figured out, because I don't. But how many of us struggle in self-control? How many of us struggle with God's free gift of grace, that He loves us in spite of the sins that we continue to you know, commit. That we, we struggle that I'm not lovable. That somewhere down the road someone convinced us that I wasn't good enough. And we're always trying to, to earn something from someone. That we find our identity in anything but Jesus. And any time that identity is questioned, that we are ashamed. You know, and I just recently listened to a, a teaching, and it hit me. I had to stop and listen to it a few times. Because any time that we struggle with shame, 
It's because there's still a secret in there that hasn't been dealt with. Anytime that we are struggling with condemnation, it's that we're still trying to be the Lord over some area of sin in our past. Our identity is still attached to something that we aren't willing to give to Jesus and we don't want anyone to know about it. And we struggle with these secrets. And where these secrets lay dormant, condemnation grows. So even though we say we are believers, there's areas that we won't receive God's grace. So how can I be a believer when I am not really receiving Christ the way that he should be received? I only receive Christ when it's beneficial to me. I only receive Christ when I I want it. I only want to stand up for him when it's convenient or it's easy. But see, God's grace wrecks us. Those that have been forgiven much, love much. And I remember one day, I was on my way out of town, and I picked up this hitchhiker. And he was absolutely wasted. And I'm like, I got a good three or four hours in the car. So I'm like, this should be fun. So here I go, I pick up this kid. You know, he was probably in late teens, early 20s. And he gets in the car, and, and we just start talking. And, you know, needless to find out that he knows, like, all this stuff about Jesus. And he reads his Bible every day. And I'm like, okay. And as he gets talking to me, he's like, the church doesn't love people. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? So they're always, they're always harsh. They're always condescending to people like me. And it really hit me, and it's like, I remember thinking that. I remember thinking that, you know, religion is harsh, and religion is, you know, critical, and religion is hypocrisy. But then I ran into Jesus. And Jesus showed me a love that I didn't know existed. And I remember coming to Redeemer, which was Mount Zion back in the day, and I remember you know, having a lot of piercings and, and wearing polyester shirts with flames and dragons and half-naked chicks on them. And I would come outside the door after church and I would take my shirt off. And I'm standing there with no shirt on, smoking a cigarette, blowing smoke at people as they walked out the door. Because I literally wanted any one of them to tell me that I didn't belong there. I wanted the excuse to leave. And yet I was loved by the body of Christ. Or they were really scared of me. (laughs) In God's grace, no one said anything. Take that for what you want. But I remember having this revelation that most of us don't really realize how much we've been forgiven or need to be forgiven. Most of us think we're all right. Well, I'm good. I'm not that bad. I'm not as bad as the person down the street. I'm not as bad as the guy that's homeless. I'm not as bad as the alcoholic or drug addict. I'm not as bad as... And we fill in the blank sometimes that we have the scale of sin and that as long as whatever I'm doing is not as bad as someone else, then I'm not, oh, oh, I'm okay. I'm not that bad. And see, when I first got here, 
I was an absolute train wreck. And I didn't think that God could love me because I was so bad. And I fought that love because I thought I had to earn it. You know, I remember people telling me that, well, Jesus will forgive you if you just ask him. And I'm like, no, that's not how this works. It's like, no, that's how it works. And I'm like, no, I don't, well, I don't care what you think, and I don't care what the Bible says. That I have to show God that I'm going to be different this time. You know, and I projected my way of thinking on him rather than allowing his way of thinking to change me. You know, and many of you heard it before, is that I was listening to a Jason Upton song, and it was talking about let it go, let it go, let the pain go. You've been suffering a long time. Let it go, let it go. And, it, and that part of the song goes on for minutes. I mean, it's probably like five to seven minutes. It's just going, let it go, let it go. And I had this brilliant idea that I should just let it go. I wonder where it came from. But I remember sitting up on the couch, because I would play that album every time I got home, because I was trying to down you know, unwind from the day and kind of calm down. And I would lay on the couch and I would play that album. And and it was enough to, you know, kind of make my crazy, you know, go away for a minute so I could fall asleep. And a lot of times I would fall asleep on the couch and then get up later and then go to bed. Because I didn't understand this stuff. And I remember that day I sat up and I kind of, did my little prayer in motion, and I said, God, I'm ready to let it go. And I remember that grace that came in that moment, that there was such a peace and a freedom that started to fill me and fill that room that it freaked me out. Because I've always kept my pain close to me because I thought it made me who I am. If I keep my pain close, then other people can't hurt me. But yet I seem to be recreating the situations that I didn't want to happen. You know, I I was afraid to be alone, so I just rejected everybody. You know, I didn't want to be, you know, hurt or lied to, but yet I I continue to gravitate to people that, you know, hurt me and lied to me. You know, it's the more that we project fear, we recreate that scenario in our own lives. And yet in this moment, God's grace began to come into my life. And it messed me up. Because I went from someone that was trying to go to church to figure out God to someone that had an encounter with God. And I know that several of us, if not all of us in here, have had a moment where the Holy Spirit has has freaked us out. And yet, I think any time that God gets close to us, a lot of times we back up. Because it's very uncomfortable and it's out of our control. See, I think that grace is out of our control. But yet we like to compartmentalize that. See, I think that the more we understand how much of a broken, wretched sinner we are, the more of God's grace begins to come towards us. When I I withhold how much of a broken sinner I am and I try to pretend I'm okay, that I limit God's grace because I don't really open myself up to the overwhelming power that God wants to bestow on each and every one of us. See, I think the more we grow in our relationship with God, we have to come to these moments where we realize that 
I have XYZ of sin that I'm still tolerating in my life. And I know, without even really reading the Bible, because I have conviction about it, that I continue to allow these things in my life. And I can have a million excuses of why I do it. And a lot of times that's why I don't want to go to church, and that's a lot of times why I don't want to have a relationship, and that's why I don't want to be in my word, because it makes me uncomfortable. But I believe that the more we put ourselves out there before Jesus and say, Jesus, I don't know how to do this, the more his grace begins to guide us. I don't think that we can follow him apart from it. I think the more that we try to be religious and and get all the the do's and don'ts, the more harsh and callous we become because we don't really realize how much we've been forgiven, so we don't know how to love much. And I think that we have to have a constant reminder that I need more Jesus. That just because I've been doing this for a while doesn't mean that I am done encountering Jesus and saying, standing before him and saying, I'm a wretched sinner and I need you. You know, no matter how hard we work for it, it always seems like we can't grab it. We can't earn our way into heaven. We can't earn our way into God's graces. We can't earn things that God wants to give us. And so often that's the way we attempt to go at it. The second that I'm a sinner, you know, or I've fallen in sin, I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to pray. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to worship. I'm going to do this. I'm going to set them on a time, and I'm going to do it this way. And God just wants us to recognize that we need Him, rather than the the ways that we're trying to get back His favor. You know, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself, that it is a gift from God, not by works, so that we cannot boast. I think faith is a tricky word because we're supposed to have it, but we struggle with it. You know, and, you know, as you try to talk to people about Jesus, you know, a lot of them will be, well, I'm spiritual. Well, I believe in God. And it's tricky because it's like, that doesn't mean anything. Biblically, demons believed in God more than we do. And that's scary, but it's the truth. They feared and trembled in his presence. We're just like, yeah, whatever. But what is faith? In a culture where we can't sit still for two seconds, you know, in a society that teaches us that to run after whatever that we want, just follow your heart. I believe that having faith means sometimes sitting still and, and releasing whatever it is that I'm trying to grab a hold of. And saying, God, I'm going to wait for you to move. You know, I believe that it, it's playing hot potato with Jesus a lot of times and saying, this is yours, this is yours, this is yours. And it keep, you know, as life keeps throwing stuff at us, we just keep hot potatoing it at Jesus. You know, because the more we try to hang on to certain things and do it our way or to control or manipulate the scenario or the situation, how much crazier does it get? 
You know, and when we truly have faith in Him, it goes beyond just believing in Him. That I have faith that He's going to do or not allow something to take place. And yet, if it does, we still stand there with faith and say, I trust you, Jesus. That faith is not about me getting my will accomplished. Faith is not about me getting my prayers answered. Faith is trusting that His will for me and for you is greater than anything that I can come up with. And that takes a lot of grace sometimes because I don't know how to trust Him apart from realizing that His love for me goes far beyond my understanding. You know, it's through Jesus that we gain access. You know, Romans 5.2 says, Through Him we've gained access by faith into grace that we now stand and we can rejoice in this hope of God's glory. A lot of times we don't know how to rejoice if we're not getting what we want. You know, we pray and we don't get the answer to our prayer. We don't know how to rejoice and realize that God has something different planned. That's really hard for us because that means that I have to release lordship to him rather than Jesus being my servant, that he's supposed to be my genie in a bottle. And when I pray, he does what I want him to do when I want him to do it. But yet his grace says, Tom, I got a bigger plan. Will you trust me in it? What is it? Can I get a blueprint? Like, what's the timeline on some of this stuff? Can we have a discussion? But yet, isn't that what we do? We do it in prayer. We do it by our disobedience when he asks us to do something. I'm like, yeah, la, la, I can't hear you. It's through faith in Christ that we can find strength and courage. If we try to find faith or find strength and courage in and of ourselves, how often do we fall short? Every one of us has a situation going on right now that we don't like. That's just life. That's just life. But can we have faith in Christ in this moment? even if that situation doesn't turn out the way we want it to. That somewhere down the road, he's going to spin that thing around and he says, look, I had it all planned out. My plans. My will. And so often we we struggle with him. We, you know, sit still. We don't move. We... You know, stomp our feet. We complain like two-year-olds that we didn't get our baba. You know, and it's a difficult place to be in when things aren't going our way and things feel like they're falling apart. And we're like, I have faith in you. And yet we grab a hold of the thing that we're not supposed to be hanging on to. And he's saying, trust me. And we're like, I am, but... It's only through faith that we begin to understand that His love for us goes beyond our understanding. That it's only when we realize that His heart for us, His love, the Father's love towards us, is greater than we can understand, 
that when things are going crazy in our lives, that we may not understand his hands, but we know his heart. And when we can rely on faith in his heart, we have faith in his love for us. We have faith in that grace that we can begin to find a hope in the midst of trials and tribulations. We can find hope in the midst of scenarios and situations going crazy. That we say, Jesus, you have a plan and I don't know what it is. But you're going to work it all together for good for those that love you according to your purposes, not mine. Over and over again, he begins to show me, Tom, I have a better plan. But, 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 no, I have a better plan. But, 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 no, I have a better plan. And I don't know how many times it's been since I started this journey with him that I've laid it down again, laid it down again, laid it down again, but laid it down again. Well, you gave me a word, laid it down again. Well, I'm, you know, all my excuses continue to get laid down again. And if he doesn't do it, then it won't get done. And that's a hard thing to do. Well, what if this or what if that? I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is that I'm going to hang on to him to the best of my ability and I'm going to go where he wants me to go. Whether it's difficult or not. Whether it's scary or not. Whether I like it or not. Why? Because I know his heart for me is greater than my heart for myself. Even in my greatest selfish moment, even, you know, the best that I could try to do for myself, God has a better plan. We have to keep turning this stuff over. We have to realize that He loved us first. Many of us in this room shouldn't be alive. And yet He reached into the darkest place in our life and said, come here. I got a plan. And normally we came kicking and screaming. We didn't like it. We didn't want to do it. I don't want this. Ephesians 2.5 says, reminds us that though we were spiritually dead, because the things that we did against God, he gave us new life in Christ, that we've been saved by God's grace. Every one of us was an enemy of God. You know, that we didn't deserve that. We didn't decide that we were going to be good people one day. And God was like, oh my God, you're such a good person. Let me just give you some of this grace. It doesn't know how, it's not how it works. That His grace intercepts our lives in the craziest of places. And He starts loving on us, even when we don't love ourselves. And even everything that we're doing is trying to sabotage that. And he reaches in and he says, come here. We're like, no, 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 I don't want to. I don't. And he's just like, no, I'm pulling you in. That we don't deserve it. We've never deserved it. And we find this thinking pattern that anytime that something doesn't go our way, we start to remind him how holy we are. Well, I pray and I go to church and I read my Bible and I work and I'm like, we start the checklist. Yeah, filthy rags. Thanks, Jesus. I love it when you remind me of how prideful I am. 
So much fun. He, he accepts us and loves us and pours out his grace upon us in spite of who we really are. There's no one that I know that's a bigger sinner than me because I know all of my stuff. And yet Jesus knows all of that stuff too. And yet he loves me anyway. You know, it's, it's so interesting that we're saved by grace and yet we're complete wretches. That we think, we do, and we say things every day that show that we need more Jesus. If we lived in the day of Mad Max, I would have totally killed the lady on the way home tonight. I'm not even lying. This lady stayed in the left-hand lane for 20 minutes, driving the same speed as someone else, and had a, a line of cars 10 behind her. And all I wanted to do was just plow through them all with my truck. I'm not even kidding. I'm not even kidding. Like, I'm so aggravated. I'm so angry at this woman right now. Like, if I could just get into her vehicle and yell at her, I would have been the happiest person ever. Like, I wanted to run her off the road. I'm not even lying. It's one of my pet peeves. Jesus needs to do a deep work in there. I won't lie. I need God's grace. And I need to be able to give that God's grace to even people that don't know how to drive. (laughs) She's just going for the Sunday drive in her little Subaru and I wanted to smash her so bad. All I wanted is a plow on the front of my truck or a missile launcher. I was dreaming of shooting missiles at her. I'm like, oh, if we could just shoot rockets. <laughs> How amazing I would have felt on the inside. And she's probably up there listening to Joyce Meyer having, having worship just in the presence. And, going, <gasps> and I literally wanted her to die. I was trying, I would have. If I had my will... She would have been meeting Jesus today. <laughs> and probably the only thing that didn't that prevents me from flipping people off when I drive is that I stick out like a sore thumb. And I'm one day it's going to be someone from Redeemer that I don't know. <laughs> and I'm going to get called into the office. Like, I'm going to the principal's office. And they're like, Tom, we heard that you uh, were um, yelling and screaming and flipping someone off. For a long time, I did not put any Jesus bumper stickers on my truck because I don't want people to know that I love Jesus when I drive. Because there's times that I don't want to be Christ-like behind the wheel. But now I have a I Trust You Jesus bumper sticker on my truck. As I look and glare at you with death. 
And I pass you and you can read my bumper sticker. I'm a wretched sinner. I need more Jesus. There's not a day that really goes by that I'm not reminded that I, I fall short. If you've been riding the high wave and you're like, no, I got this stuff figured out, I encourage you to pick up your word because I would say that you haven't read it in a while. Because he constantly convicts me. Tom, your heart is wicked. Tom, you know, you're forcing your, your will. Tom, you're angry, you're bitter. Tom, like, enough already. Forget it. But don't we want more Jesus? Don't we want to encounter him on deeper levels? Don't we want to understand his love for us when we, we struggle with that? You know, I know that there's several of us in here that struggle with being loved by God because we still carry stuff deep down inside that we don't think that we're lovable. Some of it's childhood stuff, some of it's identity stuff, some of it's stuff that we've done, stuff that's been done to us, and we really struggle. Like God can't love me because of this stuff. And there's lies in there that have to be destroyed, that we need to arrest these thoughts and bring them back captive to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I disagree with you. And have this argument. Isaiah 1.18 says, come reason with me. But you're going to lose because I've forgiven your sins. And I'm going to make you as white as wool, as fresh as fallen snow. Jesus died on the cross for all of our sins, all of our wrongs. They've all been forgiven. He paid our price. He sacrificed himself so that we could know who he is and be with him forever. You know, I really encourage each and every one of you to reflect on the cross. Because I think that we overlook it sometimes. That we've made it into a little trinket that we wear, or we have it on the wall, or, you know, we have... And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Please don't, you know, that's not my point. The point is that there was a moment in time where someone willingly laid down their lives and got nailed to that piece of wood. That's crazy. That's insane. But he knew the alternative. He knew that if he did not do that, we would always be separated. That we'd always be carrying this condemnation. So he was willing to go to the cross so that we could have freedom from some of the stuff that we're still carrying right now. We are not allowing God's grace to penetrate us fully so that we could be fully loved. Because he has given us him. His righteousness that we are justified in the eyes of the Father because of what he did. And yet we are like, no, I'm not lovable. I can't be loved. God wouldn't do that for me. And we have to get out of our thinking and our reasoning and get in the word and say, this is what the word says and this is what I'm going to begin to believe and I don't care how my feelings feel. I am tired of feeling this way. And if we're carrying secrets deep down inside that just produce condemnation, that we need to expose them first, repent of them, bring them forth to Jesus. And I really encourage you to turn to your accountability partner and 
and just confess that this is one of my secrets that has really been deep down inside and I am struggling with this and I am so scared that I'm even telling you right now. Because we hear it all the time. We're sick as our secrets. But it's the very thing that keeps us from understanding who he really is. That we can rely on God's strength in those moments where we are scared out of our mind, sharing and being vulnerable and exposing and confessing. But I encourage you to be talking to Jesus first before you talk to a human. But I believe that they're safe humans. I've encountered several in my life that I've told them things that I held deep with inside me and they never betrayed me. And I know that Jesus puts people in our path like that for the very purpose that we can find the freedom that comes only through exposing the depths of our darkness. Ephesians 1.7 says, In Christ we are set free by the blood that he is of his death so that we have forgiveness of our sins. How rich is God's grace. I know that we struggle with this. I've met so many people that go to church and really struggle with being loved by God. But he's called us out of the darkness so that we could have his experience, his wonderful light. And yet we try to hide in the shadows because it's uncomfortable being vulnerable before him. Every one of us in here is a product of his grace. Where would we be other than following Jesus at this moment? I don't think that I would be alive. I literally don't think that I would have made it 14 more years in my addiction. Whether I would have OD'd or killed myself, at the very least, I'd be in prison or in jail for a long time for the stuff that I was doing. And yet he reached into my life and said, come here, I'm going to love on you. Every one of us, where we would be, it would be unimaginable, apart from just what we do know, and how we are trying to follow him. And yet, where could we be if we really surrendered some of the things that we're struggling with? Where would we be if we really said, I'm ready to give you everything? Every one of us is a product of His grace, but how much more if we would surrender again? Colossians 1.8 says, All over the world this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing amongst you since the day you heard it, and you understood God's grace and all of its truth. I'm going to pray tonight that each one of us grows in this understanding of his grace. Because I believe that some of us in here really need to have an encounter with God and really experience his love for you in spite of the way you think about yourself, in spite of what the world has told you, in spite of what someone may have told you about you that keeps you stuck in a place where Jesus is trying to draw you out of that darkness.
I believe each one of us needs to encounter him again and have a revelation of his cross that we have been set free by a very violent moment in time. That Jesus was willing to lay his life down, that he was beaten and battered and whipped and willingly carried his cross to his execution so that we could understand the forgiveness of sin and the grace that is just poured out upon us, that it's nothing that we do, that why we were still sinners, he did that. He knew that we would be here tonight talking about this. It was formed before the earth. Everything is just falling into the His will, His purpose, His plan. It's all unfolding the way that He wants it to. And yet we hang on to stuff that He said, give me that. I paid the price. Let me have it. That we would come into a knowledge of all truth. That we would experience Him in His Word, in His Spirit, in worship, in prayer, that we would have encounters with Him over and over. That we wouldn't just go through the motions of church and wondering why this isn't fun. That we would struggle with self-control and we would struggle in areas that we, we feel convicted of, but yet not enough to stop. That we would lay that down at His feet and say, Jesus, I want to know You more. I want to experience your grace in this area. And I know that I can't do that as long as I'm running the show. Would you just bow your heads with me? Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you for all that you're doing. Lord, I pray that each one of us would have a revelation of your grace. That it's nothing that we can do that we can't be good enough. And there's no such thing as being too bad that you love us 100% all the time. That even if we leave here and try to do better, you don't love us more. And even if we do leave here and we continue to fall into the same sins, you don't love us any less. But Lord, I pray that we would take that step forward and say, Lord, I want to know you more. Come and meet me at this place. Forgive me of my sins and give me the courage to expose the the deep shame that I feel in certain areas of stuff that I've kept hidden because I I don't know how to, to reveal it to you because I think that you'll reject me. But yet your love for me goes beyond my understanding. So Lord, I pray that each one of us would lay our deepest, darkest secrets at your feet and trust that your grace will overcome us. Lord, I pray for healing right now in our minds, Lord, the way that we think about ourselves, the way that we project and think about you. I pray that there will be healing in our hearts tonight, Lord, is the way that we try to love ourselves and yet fall short, the way that we attempt to love you but still seems out of our reach. Lord, I pray that we would have an encounter with your love that you would begin to heal us in in deeper ways, Lord, that you would break through the paradigms in the way that we think about you and the way that we think about ourselves, Lord, and we would experience your grace. 
And just thank you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen.